Hey, you are listening to Daily Discoveries, and this is Oscar. And this is Sanjana. This is the podcast where we discuss scientific articles weekly from the science section of the Daily. So today I'm going to start off by talking about a article by Science Magazine. And it is called Scientists Bust Myths About How Humans Burn Calories and Why. So, Sanja, how would you feel if I asked you to subtract 13 from 1,022 until you get to zero? Um, well, I would probably be overwhelmed. Right? <laughs> yes. And you'd be stressed out. And so this is exactly what a biological anthropologist at Duke University did to undergrads. He told the undergrads that this was going to be a stress test and he put them in a chamber, this like chamber that they're locked into and it measures the amount of CO2 that is exhaled by this person. And as he asks them to subtract 13 from 1022 until they get to zero, if they mess up, he tells them to start over again and do it again. This causes them to get stressed out. Dr. Ponser, the head of the lab, wants to see how much CO2 this subject exhales when they are stressed. So he then starts asking them questions such as, what is 505 multiplied by 117? Asks stress-inducing questions that undergrads at least think are stressful, such as talking about what, they, what their dream job is and what they want to do when they grow up. And while he's doing this, a postdoc and another undergrad are measuring her heart rate and how much CO2 she exhales, as I said. And this is a regular day at his lab. He, his goal is to measure the energy people expend when they are stressed, exercising, or creating an immune response to a vaccine. So Ponser, as I said, is a biological anthropologist, and he wants to understand how humans have energetically rich lives such as lengthy childhoods, many children, big brains, long lives, they exercise, they go through illness, stress, and more. So he uses technology, which was previously used by research in obesity, to measure the energy expended by people when they are in these states, such as stressed, illness, or when they're exercising slash walking. And his big claim, which is somewhat controversial, is that exercise will not help you lose weight based on his data on average. And this is exactly what I'm going to talk about. And we're just going to start out with the beginning of Ponser's life. So Ponser spent his childhood in the Appalachian Mountains, somewhere in New Jersey. And when he grew up, he went to Penn State, just like his dad. And he thought that he was going to just like his dad, get a teaching degree and teach back in the mountains where he grew up. However, he started working at Penn State with a renowned paleontologist who suggested, because of his really extremely good grades, that he should consider grad school and apply to Harvard, and that be, he'd be silly if he did not. And so he did, and he got in. And when he got to Harvard, this was in, I think, 2000, Scientists in general knew very little about energy expenditure, or TEE. And this is what Ponser was interested in. And TEE 
basically measures the number of kilocalories, so same as like the food label calories, all of our 37 trillion cells burn in 24 hours. What they did know was BMR, or basal metabolic rate. At rest, it is similar, kilo for kilo, to other primates. At least that was the assumption. And Ponser didn't think that that was enough data, so what he wanted to research was how human energy consumption with such a big brain was affected. And there wasn't much data on this either. So what Ponser predicts is that because humans have so much energy to spend on a brain, there are trade-offs in terms of organs. For example, maybe we have smaller organs that require less energy so that we still spend the same amount of energy kilo to kilo to other primates, which they have found. So Ponser set out to test this. So he went back to the basics and measured calories burned by humans and animals when walking. So as we all know, mammals use oxygen to convert sugars into energy and carbon dioxide is produced as a byproduct. So he measured the more carbon dioxide exhaled by the mammal, the more energy was used by this mammal. Ponser did his PhD on this exact experiment on dogs and goats. As he was doing this, a new test for measuring energy in this way was found, and it used oxygen and hydrogen isotopes from a harmless cocktail of hydrogen and oxygen isotopes in water, and they would give this to subjects, and they would measure it later, their urine a week later. Because in the urine, there would be oxygen and hydrogen isotopes. However, some of the oxygen is exhaled as carbon dioxide, as the subject uses energy. So what they did was measure, in the urine sample, they measured the ratio of oxygen and hydrogen isotopes in the urine to see how much oxygen was used in a day. So how much energy was expended. However, this test was very expensive. But Ponser was lucky enough to get a grant where he was able to use this test on orangutans. He found absolutely breakthrough results where he found that the orangutans actually burn one-third of the energy expected for their size. As I said earlier, scientists thought that primates burned the same amount of energy as humans kilo for kilo. So this was huge because... Now he could say that not all mammals burn the same amount of energy, but that he found after testing other primates that humans on average burn more than all of the apes. And they also store more fat. Actually, I think men store twice as much fat as the average primate and females three times as much as the average primate. The advantage for this is that since humans live such energy-rich lives, they need to burn their energy faster than apes. And in order to feed their energy-hungry brain and all these energy-hungry tasks, such as a long childhood, a long life, and whatnot. Ponser, after, after he released these results, he got more money funded into his research. And so he did a study on a hunter-gatherer tribe in Tanzania. On average, the men in this tribe walked 14 kilometers a day, and the woman 11 kilometers. From this study, he saw that the people in this tribe 
actually used the same amount of energy as an average person sitting still at a desk all day in the US, which makes no sense, right? So what he predicted was that the body, the body of these hunter-gatherers changed so that they spend less energy on things such as immune response, stress, and other things so that they can use most of their energy to walk these far distances that they do in their lives. So their body actually adapted so that they could walk these far distances every day. So something I would ask you, Sanjana, then, is do you think that a person who runs marathons for a living spends more energy than a couch potato? Yeah, I would expect the marathon runner to use more energy. Right. However, that's not true because Ponser also did a study on people who ran the race across the U.S. And he found that in the beginning, they did burn more calories on average. However, as their bodies adapted to them running every day, they spent less and less energy every day. And it started getting closer and closer to the normal energy spent by human. However, what he predicts at least, and what he is continuing to study is he believes that these runners now, because they spend more energy on running, they spend less energy on immune response and stress and other things that need energy. So a couch potato who spends less energy on exercise would spend more energy on dealing with stress and immune Exactly. That's his prediction, at least. So this message can be interpreted the wrong way because people may see this as, oh, I don't have to exercise if I spend the same amount of energy exercising as if I just sit and watch TV all day. And so there is definitely some controversy around his statements. And he himself still uh, recommends daily exercise because it's very important for our health. But he claims that exercise is not the way out of obesity. And he claims that there, or he has found, that there is actually a ceiling for how much energy in a day that a person can spend. For an 85-kilogram male, for example, which is pretty average weight, he found that the max amount of calories on average that they can spend in a day is 4,650 and elite athletes, for example, are able to maintain this max energy usage for only a couple of months. But after that, their body, as we said, gets used to this intense training and intense exercise and, in his prediction at least, alters the way they use energy. And so this all ties back to the beginning of why I asked you to count down from 2022 by 13, because he is testing how much energy these undergrads spend when they're stressed to see if it, his predictions are true. So you're saying that if over time you just kept practicing and you kept pushing yourself harder, would you be like able to get to a point where you can like run just super long distances with like barely expending energy? Because you're saying you start expending like less energy even though you're pushing your body harder. Exactly. But you're going to expend the same amount of energy on the exercise, but your body's going to adapt to that and assume that you're going to continue doing this exercise every day. So it's going to take away 
the energy it uses for your immune system and stress. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> I'm trying to think, does, if, does that mean, like, so you can use, like, less energy to do, like, more energy-intensive tasks, right, over time? No, no, no. So that's what you would think, right? But yeah. you're still using the same amount of energy for these energy-intensive tasks, but it's yeah. taking away the energy you use for other okay. things. Okay. So that on average, your energy expenditure is always the same. Oh, okay, okay, I see. Yeah, because our body's kind of made, every, of course, everyone's metabolism varies, mm -hmm. but it's only by so much. I wonder how much energy you can like take away from other things and put it all into just running or something like that. Exactly. So I found an interesting article from Science News called Artificial Intelligence Challenges What It Means to Be Creative. In 1968, Harold Cohen wondered how we can look at a drawing and recognize it as a face. And five years later, he created a robotic artist called Aaron, which knew the basic steps to create a painting and how body parts look in art and he had to create some art. David Cope, a composer, also had a similar idea, except he was interested in musical intelligence. Back then, artificial intelligence was focused more on concepts that involved reasoning and planning, such as playing chess and solving math problems. But in the late 1990s, computational creativity became its own field of study. New discoveries and techniques developed in the field of machine learning and artificial intelligence allowed AI to identify and absorb more patterns and rules for art that could be used in its own art. In the 2000s, Simon Colton, a computer scientist, created a computer program called The Painting Fool, which analyzed news articles and other writings and linked emotions with certain words, and used these keywords with Flickr, a photography website, to create painted collages of different moods. One AI created a painting that actually sold for $432,500 at an auction and in one study, participants found it difficult to differentiate between musical works of Bach and the AI. IBM had its AI system analyze 9,000 recipes to create its own. However, people argue whether or not AIs are expressing creativity or just mimicking human creation, since they do require a lot of human involvement to create these works. Also, researchers argue that AIs create works that are similar to others by making them average instead of creating something original and unique. These arguments raise the question of whether the creativity originates from the AI or the creator of the AI, since the AI does lack self-awareness. So, Oscar, what do you think it means to be creative? Well, this article kind of changed my interpretation of it, or my thoughts on it. It kind of has me confused in thinking whether creativity is something that you express yourself or is something you've learned. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like when you like come up with like a creation like art and music, I feel like your creativity comes from the experiences and the reflections throughout your life. And like I mentioned previously, AIs are not able to actually reflect and use experiences and they lack like self-awareness that humans do have. And for now, well, for now, yes, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think, personally, I don't think it's AIs are creative. I think they're just using a bunch of, like, art creations and creating something that mimics it. I don't think it's, like, something original. But then you could argue, how are artists now making something original? I assume they're basing their understanding of music that they've heard prior and 
creating something new out of it because the AIs they're still creating new music. It's not some they're they're not just repeating something else, right? Yes, that's true. They are creating something new, but theirs is all based on what they've listened to. There isn't based on like other experiences. Like I'm talking about like life experiences and reflection, just like being a human, being able to like feel emotions and connecting other things such as metaphors. Yes, like that. Okay. That's a good explanation. That makes sense. Yeah, cuz the AI can only use other music. Yeah. Whereas humans, okay. Yeah. It's a good answer. Okay, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to Daily Discoveries.